Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study. I'm very glad that you're here today. We're going to be discussing the subject of prophecy, and there is going to be an anointing that will touch you today that will activate you in this area. So I want you to pay careful attention. Praise the Lord. Let's begin in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 7, and of course, this is the chapter that mentions the nine gifts of the Spirit, and today we're going to be looking at the gift of prophecy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we study your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would illuminate the eyes of our heart, the eyes of our understanding, so that we can clearly understand your word and take it and apply it to our lives. Now, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the ministry of your Holy Spirit active right now. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Praise God. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to go to verse 7, and it says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Well, we do live in an era within particularly the Western church where there is very little moving of the Holy Spirit or manifestation of the Holy Spirit in many of the church services that are taking place today, uh, I think that is because of just an overall move away from what we know as traditional Pentecostal spirit-filled type services. And a lot of that has been uh, perhaps lost, not completely, but intentionally in order to accommodate you know, a different type of approach. But my friends, let's stay with the Bible. Let's walk in all that God has for us so that we can experience it. And the Lord is pouring out fresh anointing of these gifts of the Spirit upon His people that are hungry for them and are desiring them. So we want we want nice meetings, but we want the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. If you don't have that, things can get real dry real quick. Now, we see again, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Let's go over to verse 10, where is mentioned uh, the gift of prophecy. So it says, to another prophecy. Prophecy is one of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. I believe that out of all nine, it's the easiest one to get activated in your life. Now, I'm not talking about the gift of, of tongues, which is given for usage in a public assembly or when the saints come together. But out of all of these gifts, the gift of prophecy, it doesn't take much to get this uh, activated and operating and up and flowing in your life. And for many of you, I pray that that activation will be today. What is prophecy? Prophecy is when you are inspired by the Holy Spirit to speak forth the plan of God that can only be known by divine revelation. So it's not just a good speech. It's not just a good talk or some form of encouragement. Although in its basic sense, the gift of prophecy would include encouragement, but prophecy as a whole, when it comes forth, is inspired by the Holy Spirit, not the human spirit, not the intellect. Prophecy is when you speak, you are inspired by the Holy Spirit to speak forth the plan of God that can only be known by divine revelation. 
in many ways that you could say that prophecy is the expression of the mind of God in verbal form. Mm -mm, I like that. So it's speaking forth the purposes of God that can only be known by divine revelation. Praise the Lord. Now, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and here you will see prophecy explained in its simplest sense. Now, it can get more advanced, and that more advanced level would certainly come into the office of a prophet, somebody that stands in a ministry office, but my friends, anybody can prophesy in the basic uh, form of prophecy, which is laid out in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3. But he who prophesies speaks three things. Number one, edification and exhortation and comfort to men. So prophecy in its simplest form expressed does three things. Number one, it edifies. That means to strengthen. It's going to build up the person that is hearing. It's going to strengthen them, and we all need that. Number two, exhortation. And exhortation in the Greek, it does mean to encourage. It carries the meaning of uh, to cheer a person on, but it's a supernatural encouragement that's contained in that word. And number three, very important as well, is it brings comfort. It calms it consoles. It can be very, very soothing. Mm -mm. I remember one time I, I was just concerned about God's timing for my life. You know, uh, I, I'm not perfect, just like everybody else on the planet. And looking back over my life, particularly when I was younger, you know, I had some, uh, I had gaps of wasted time, time not used well. And so later when I got called into the ministry, I had these concerns, Lord, am I running behind schedule? Am I going to be able to get done what, what you have called me to do? You know, I, I really wasn't aware of this when I was younger and, uh, and doing a lot of silly stuff. And the Lord sent one of his esteemed prophets uh, into, uh, I should say, like across my path. And he prophesied to me, not knowing that this was kind of swirling in my heart. And he prophesied and said, thus says the Lord, you're right on time. Everything's going to be just fine. You're right where I want you to be. And he kept emphasizing it. He said it at least twice. If I, if I go back and look at the notes, I actually think he said it three times. You're right on time. And it just brought into my heart a soothing comfort that only prophecy can bring because it's not just like somebody trying to encourage me. It's supernatural because he's saying things that are speaking to me because it is the gift of prophecy. There's inspiration in it. Whoo, praise the Lord. It's In other words, it's not like you can go to the newspaper and open up the section where they have a horoscope and you know they have okay so if you're this uh, zodiac sign or this one this is your horoscope for today well you could read all the different horoscopes they're all saying something good it's like you take your pick now we stay away from that because that's all occultic <laughs> and that's not that's just but you can see how generalized 
and nonsensical that stuff is. That's why true prophecy is supernatural. It speaks to you. It's, it's God speaking to you specifically, and it will lift you, and it brings that deep comfort. Praise God. Stay away from all of these counterfeits that are out there. Stay away from all of the the little corner shops that say seance, you know, come in here, we'll, we'll tell your future. Uh, uh, you go in there, you're going to get a demon. Okay, that's you're going to get hijacked, and the evil spirit's going to jump on you. So don't play uh, with these uh, forms uh, that are entry-level forms into the occult. Stay far away from that. We have the real thing. There, the devil is trying to copy God because God's is always best. Amen. And remember, everything that is good. Uh, from the Lord is peaceful. The blessing of the Lord, it says in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Well, you can go over to the devil's house. He may temporarily add something to you, but uh, it's not going to bring uh, joy. It's going to bring sorrow. And then he'll even take back perhaps what was given because it was all a prop in the first place and you're left in a big mess. But everything of God is good and especially his uh, spiritual gifts. Praise the Lord. Now, any Christian, of course, can prophesy. It's one of the gifts of the Spirit. Any Spirit-filled believer can operate in any of the nine gifts. As we're talking today in context about prophecy, any believer can prophesy, but that does not mean that they are a prophet. It doesn't make a person a prophet. Any Christian can lead a sinner to the Lord just by having a heart uh, to share the gospel. They could lead somebody to the Lord, but that doesn't mean that person is called into the full-time office of an evangelist. You see the difference. Praise God. So there are five ministry offices. You have the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. They are full-time callings into a set office. And with that office comes the calling and comes the supernatural equipment for that man or woman to stand in that office successfully and to operate and do what God calls them to do. So a prophet, for example, has a different, uh, excuse me, uh, has a consistent, that's the word I'm warning, has a consistent manifestation of, of at least two of the revelation gifts. So we have the revelation gifts as being word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. So a prophet who does this full time has two of the revelation gifts plus the gift of prophecy consistently operating in his, her ministry. Plus anybody called into the ministry, whether it's as a, uh, a prophet or any of the other four offices is also first and foremost, a preacher and or teacher of the gospel. So you're a preacher or, and, and you're also teaching the word. And then you stand in one of those five and you operate in that ministry office. Praise God. So a prophet is someone who consistently knows things supernaturally by the Spirit of God. Let's take a look for a moment in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 by dropping down now to verse 5. And as we go to verse 5, we see how the Lord wants his people to be able to prophesy. The Apostle Paul said, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless he indeed interprets that the church may receive 
edification or building up of God's people. And that's really why we want to operate in the various gifts of the Holy Spirit, especially prophecy, because it has such a special way of lifting God's people up and uh, putting the wind in their sail to keep moving in the direction that God has for them. So you can all prophesy, but of course, uh, we can't all be prophets. You know, I was um, uh, in a, a service one time many, many years back. It was actually uh, a meeting that I was conducting. And uh, this was when my wife and I, we lived uh, back in California, Southern California. And I was thinking about starting this church. And, um, you know, uh, uh, so I started for a few weeks and some people were showing up. And, uh, but I, I felt like, hmm, Lord, I'm not really sure if I'm supposed to even continue with the church or even with ministry. I was still trying to sort all of this out. I was trying to get the, get the calling really uh, dialed in. And you know, the devil at the, at the beginning, especially was throwing all kinds of discouragement and trying to uh, throw all kinds of doubts towards me. So I remember early one Sunday morning, I said, Lord, I said, if there's not a really good turnout today, I'm just going to close the whole thing down and I'm going to just count this as something, uh, as a good effort, but obviously you're not in it. And therefore, uh, I, I'll just stick with whatever it is you want me to do in life. And I'll, I'll just, you know, support some other ministry or something like that. I'll just take this as a sign from you that, uh, you know, it was a good effort, but this is not for me. So I went to church that morning and guess, guess who showed up? One person, <laughs> one person showed up. So my wife and I are there and only one person showed up. And I, I was actually happy. I said, well, Lord, I said, obviously you have spoken. And I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and, you know, I'm going to teach a lesson and, I, and you know, we'll have, have a little praise and worship and I'll teach a lesson. And then I'll, you know, say a nice prayer, kind of do, do the whole enchilada, you know, I have a nice little service. And then after it's over, I'm just going to close everything down and then just try to live my life uh, in whatever way you want me to do, whatever it is you want me to do. But obviously I'm, I'm released from ministry. So I was kind of happy, you know, when I went, I only saw one person. And uh, so anyhow, I sang a few songs back then. I would play the keyboard a little bit, maybe sing a few songs. And so I sang a few songs and I was all happy because I'm thinking, well, this is good. This is easy. I won't have to do this anymore. <laughs> and so then I stopped and I got ready to say my little sermon. Well, the one person who came that day, uh, we had known for a little bit and she had been coming a little while and her name was Sister Beatrice. And she had immigrated from Kenya to America and she really enjoyed coming to our our meetings, our times together, but she was real, super mild, uh, real reserved, uh, real, real quiet. You would have to pull out conversation from her. In other words, this is not some wild-eyed Pentecostal, you know, standing up, shouting, hands raised up. No, really uh, had um, a very proper etiquette and uh, very dialed in mannerisms and all that. Well, when I finished that last song and I began to stand up to walk over to the little pulpit area, she stood up and the Spirit of the Lord came on her and she thundered. She thundered and said, Pastor Stephen, you must not quit. And she began to go into about a 30-second prophetic launch. It was like a rocket lifting off. And she began to just, uh, through that word, drive into my spirit. You must not quit. Thus says the Lord, you must not quit. And it, it had been like, 
Uh, seemed to me it's like Elijah walked into the room or something, and she got transformed into some kind of superhuman something or another, and that went for like 30 seconds, and then she sat down, and it all lifted off of her, and now she's back to little bitty Beatrice, who's real short, real skinny, doesn't weigh much, and super mild, and just, I was like, wow. Well, I knew that I'd heard from the Lord through uh, that encouragement. Now, in my heart, really in my heart of hearts, I, I couldn't get away from it. I knew God had calling upon my life, so I stayed with it. Uh, eventually, things began to get traction. Then I incorporated the ministry, began to do other things, and then uh, uh, speaking engagements began to come in. And then, and then you know, it, then the devil just gave up in the sense of trying to stop that initial launch. But things like that can be dramatic. Oh, Pastor Stephen, she must have been launched into a great prophetic ministry. No, she had no calling as a prophet. <laughs> not, not an ounce. Not an ounce. Couldn't preach. Couldn't teach. Uh, and that was the only time my wife and I ever saw her prophesy or actually even operate in any of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But, oh, I tell you what, I'm telling you, any believer potentially can operate in the gift of prophecy, and we need to know how to prophesy. Praise the Lord, because trust me, uh, her yielding herself that day to the Holy Spirit was a great blessing to me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, let's talk just for a little bit today about how you prophecy, uh, or pro prophesy. In other words, uh, how do you do it? Do you just like pull it out of the air? Uh, or how does this come? And I, I think that's the big question that many younger believers have, or even mature believers who have walked with the Lord for quite some time, but maybe have never come into what we would call the Pentecostal experience, where they're, at, where they're actually flowing in the gifts as, as well. So let's touch on that uh, just for a few minutes today. Praise the Lord. Now, the first thing that's good about stirring up the gift of prophecy is just to ask the Lord, uh, Lord, give me a word for for uh, either someone or uh, it works better if you if you say, Lord, give me a word for a specific person such as, uh, and I'll give you an example. Um, I have a minister friend of mine and uh, he and I have known each other for years. We're good friends, but he's busy. I'm busy. So it's not like we're, we're talking to each other every week. Uh, actually now I maybe uh, talk to him twice a year and that, that, that's about it. So, um, because he's a blessing in my life. Whenever I do give him a call, then this is what I'll do before I ever call him. Maybe like, uh, you know, I'll, I'm ready to call him, but I won't call him just yet. I've got the phone sitting right there. I'll say, Lord, would you please give me a word for brother? So-and-so I know it would encourage him. Lord, please give me a word. And then I'll just get quiet and I'll, I'll listen. And I may pray in the spirit just a little bit, real quietly. And I just listen and I listen. Now I'll give you an example. The last time I called him, I said, before I called him, and this was a few weeks back, I said, Lord, please give me a word for him. And I just, I just waited, got real quiet. And if I, if I recall, I waited probably about seven minutes just got required, waited about seven minutes, and then the Holy Spirit gave me a word for him. And before I got on the phone, I said, Lord, thank you. 
I said, Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit. And with that word, I gave him a call. I said, hey, how are you doing? He said, I'm doing good. I said, hey, before we talk, I want to share something. The Lord just gave me a word for you. He said, oh, please go right ahead. And I, I, I said, this is what the Lord says, that this is the thing that he says, this is your focus right now. And he's in on this. And he said, Stephen, he said, I have just spoken to my entire team. And I told them, we are now making this the primary focus of our ministry. And there's, there's many branches that he has on his ministry. And he had said, this is now the primary focus. And the Lord had told me to tell him that he's in on that, that he's blessing that. And he said, Stephen, thank you. Thank you for sharing that because it was 100% confirmation. I said, well, praise the Lord. Amen. So, but you see, you can do the same thing. You, you just go before the Lord and say, Lord, give me a word. Give me a prophecy. Now, when I say, give me a word, you know, I'm not talking about like, like, a, Hey, how you doing? Like, like a word or, or Jesus loves you. You know, I, I'm talking about a prophetic word. When I say a word or prophetic word, I'm talking about prophecy. Lord, let prophecy flow through me so that I can share something that will edify, that will strengthen, that will encourage, and that will bring a supernatural comfort. And, and if you will wait on the Lord after you ask him, he'll give you a word. He'll give you a word, praise God. And that's, that's how it works for me. I just wait on the Lord and it just, it just, uh, it floats in. It's like it floats into my mind and my mind I wouldn't say hears it, but understands it. And I grab it. And then I know I've got something that will be a blessing to somebody. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And God can work uh, in your life in the very same way. So, you know, if you've never done this, ask the Lord for the gift of prophecy. Let that gifting come upon your life. We're told in scripture to greatly desire uh, spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. So desire the gift of prophecy, ask God for it. And I'm going to pray for you at the conclusion of today's message for this gift to be activated in your life. But you also don't want to just have a prayer and then say, okay, let's see what happens. No, you want to exercise it. You want to exercise it through these types of practices. And, uh, you know, if you have, uh, other believers, you know, you can, you can practice on each other in a sense and eventually, of course, you want to get out of the little pond and, you know, go out and, and use it in ways where, uh, you know, it can be, uh, be effective in the lives of others once you kind of catch on to that. And I want to tell you uh, some further guidelines that will help you in the uh, development of that. These things are very important that we have this knowledge as well. Now, let's go over just for a moment to uh, Galatians chapter 3, because this is important to understand in the gift of prophecy, Galatians chapter three, let's drop down to verse five. Paul said, therefore, he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you. In other words, that would be the gift of working of miracles. One of the nine gifts in operation, uh, in their midst. Therefore, he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Well, you already know it's by the hearing of faith. God doesn't work it just because of your standing alone in Christ. I'm born again. Well, that's great. But you have to have faith in this area in order for this to be stirred up and become active. Verse seven, therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. So 
as a son of Abraham, as a child of God, you want to exercise your faith to prophesy. Well, Pastor Stephen, you know, I waited on the Lord and didn't anything happen. Well, now hold on a moment. When you ask the Lord for a word for somebody and you wait and you, you've spent time in prayer and fellowship with the, with the Lord, your spirit is tender, your heart is open. I'm telling you that God will give you something. It may not be real deep. See, the prophet's ministry includes revelation. The basic gift of prophecy does not. It's simply edification, which strengthens exhortation, which encourages, and comfort, which consoles and uh, soothes the heart. So there's no revelation gifts in that. So I'm not saying that you can go deep on every single person. Uh, not even a prophet can go deep on everybody. When I go down a line, uh, sometimes when I go to a church, they want me to prophesy over the people. And oftentimes I would just say, well, line up. I'll just go down the line one by one and prophesy over uh, people one at a time. And sometimes when I'm prophesying over uh, some people, I, I get um, what I would call simple prophecy, words that will edify and exhort, but then other people, I'll hit them and I can suddenly start going deep with more revelation. Uh, I, I start really tracking in onto uh, like nitty gritty type things. And that, uh, that involves, uh, you know, like words of knowledge start popping in. And then suddenly uh, discerning the spirits will start to, the work in my life. But I can't, I can't go deep on every single person. I wish I could, <laughs> but I've been around some of the best. They can't do it either. They can do it consistently. Uh, they, they can prophesy over anybody, but as far as going deep, well, uh, you know, you can't do that all the time. Now, with, with prophets, you can, do it, you can do it pretty consistent, though, but you can always prophesy. So I want you to know that the word that the, the Lord can give you, it may not have all, you know, kind of words of knowledge baked into it or something like that, but nevertheless, the simple prophecy that God gives you, you need to share it. Because oftentimes when you do share and you are faithful to share what he has given to you, then he sees that and then he'll honor that and then he'll give more. So oftentimes I just get something little for somebody and I'll share it. And then it just starts, now it starts rolling and now it's got more depth and now it starts getting really good, but it never would have happened if I had not have started with perhaps the first part that was maybe a little bit like, um, I wouldn't call it general, but I would call it, uh, I, would, I, I certainly wouldn't call it spectacular either. You see what I'm saying? But we always just have to present what God gives us. Praise the Lord. You speak forth the little that God gives you, and then more is added when God sees that we're using our faith. Prop prophecy, again, is simply sharing with another person, what God is revealing to you about their lives. That's kind of like a, um, a very, uh, uh, how can we say, like paraphrased type translation, very simple to understand translation. Prophecy is simply sharing with another person what God is revealing to you about their lives. Praise God. Now, of course, we do understand that any prophecy, even from a, a, a world-leading prophet, any prophecy uh, is not the full picture of your life. It's an integral part that will move your life forward, but even the best only prophesy in part. We see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and in verse 8. And it says, Love never fails, 
But whether there are prophecies, they will, they will fail. Many translations say they will come to an end. They will, they will fail. They will come to an end. Where Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. You know, one, one of the reasons why prophecy is not going to just unveil every detail of your life is because God calls us to live by faith. We are, we are, we are to be guided and led by the Holy Spirit and the principles of God's Word and the teachings of God's Word. We're not to be led by prophets, but prophets can prophesy amazing insights that do help us to move forward with great faith and confidence but even those great prophecies, it's still, it's still just a part. Now, when we get to heaven, all of these wonderful things that are so beneficial down here, such as tongues and knowledge and prophecy, we won't need them when we get to heaven. Because when we get there, everything is on a totally different level. You don't need tongues anymore. There's no need to pray divine secrets. We don't need to hide anything from the devil because there's no devil there. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need some uh, secret code language so the demons can't listen in because there, there are no demons there. It's direct communion with God now. You don't need knowledge because now you have full access to all knowledge that there is and understanding of it. So, you know, we have moved to a different place, praise God. But right now, they are tremendously beneficial. You know, I think it's very helpful when you view your life similar to that of a book and a book is made up of these different chapters. And you can right now be on a current chapter that this is presently where you're at in your life. And you've already in the book have read other chapters. And this is your, the previous years that you've already lived and that you've already passed through. And now this is where you're at now. This is how old you are. You're living right now. This is the current chapter in your book. But there's also future chapters. You you got like another chapter. You got maybe maybe uh, you know ten or twelve or twenty more chapters. And each chapter could be a year. Each chapter could represent this chapter could represent four years. Another chapter could represent seven months. It's like it's like a book. Uh, the chapters are are all different. So a prophet or the gift of prophecy flowing through you, speaking to someone could speak to chapter 17 and they haven't gotten there yet, but that word inspires them to keep moving forward because they want, they're going to want to get to chapter 17. Praise God. Oh, Lord, the Lord is good. You know, in the year 2017, in the, in the month of January, my wife and I were in Washington, DC. And what was interesting is that uh, a few weeks before that, I'm trying to think, I think it was maybe like, uh, like six weeks before I was in DC, something happened. And before we went there, these six weeks previously, maybe it was six weeks, eight weeks. I'd have to go back and check my notes. But before we went, I had a visitation from Jesus. And in this visitation, the Lord came to me personally. I saw him stand before me and he appeared to me in this vision. He said some things that were personal. I won't share. They, they were, they were uh, you know, kind of neat things that were just for me. But he also shared this, and I can, I can tell you this. He said, you have now completed phase two of your ministry, and you're now in phase three of your ministry. Now, for those of you that are not familiar with that type of terminology, uh, any minister has 
ultimately four phases of ministry that God wants them to work through. By the way, Jesus, uh, years back uh, in a vision, visited Kenneth Hagin, and Kenneth Hagin talked about how the Lord told him, this is the phase you're in right now, and uh, you're, you know, and so forth. And, and the Lord told him, you only have four phases total. And so same with me, same with any minister. And the Lord had told me that I'm now finished with phase two. I'm now in phase three. What does that mean? It means I've only got one more phase in my life. Now, of course, each phase, one phase can be like, you know, 40 years, but I thank God that I have moved forward because even Kenneth Hagin said in a vision that Jesus came to him and he said, Jesus told him, are you ready for this? He said, Jesus told him, most ministers live and die without ever getting out of the first phase of their ministry. And I'll tell you, that's hands down the truth from what I've seen across uh, ministry across the board, globally, nationally, that most people that are called or do have a calling and they, they, they move forward with ministry, get into ministry. See, you may see a lot of ministries and a lot of activity, but most actually never truly find out what is their real calling, what is their true assignment, because you got a lot of ministers doing all kinds of things God never never called them to do, never told them to do. Uh, it, it's just, it's, uh, so to really get dialed in and to be on track and to be doing exactly what God called you to do, by the way, may your hand never touch what God doesn't want you to touch. May you never hold what God intends for you not to hold. May you never pick up what God has not called you to pick up. You'll have enough to hold, enough to do, enough to pick up just with your assignment. You do not need to occupy yourself with other things that God has not called you to do. <laughs> so that's the biggest challenge for most ministers. And so that's what I've seen. A lot of good guys and gals, uh, some 100%, you know, they're on it. But others, you're like, whoa, what in the world is going on? And if they don't get it figured out, the clock's ticking. And so Brother Hagin said the Lord told him, most ministers live and die without ever getting out or past the first phase of ministry. Wow. So what you want to do ultimately is you want to make it to phase four and complete it. <laughs> oh, glory to God. So you have to be, you have to give it your best. You're going to have to give it your all. And that's what we're all endeavoring to do. So I was, of course, you know, blessed because I'm now in phase three of my ministry. Now that, that was five years ago. Okay. So I'm, I'm moving on. Praise the Lord. But I remember when the Lord told me that. It was uh, just before going into 2017. Well, it wasn't long after that. Just a few weeks after that, we were in D.C., and we happened to run into Bishop Bill Hammond. Now, Bill Hammond has prophesied one-on-one, -on -one has given personal prophecies to over 75,000 people. That's to, that's the pastors, that's the lay people, that's the kings, that's the prime ministers, that's the queens, that's the, that's the move, just all through the gamut, the whole spectrum. He has prophesied to over 75,000 people. I said, hey, Bishop. I said, it's great to see you. I said, hey, since you're here and we're, and we're here, would you prophesy over me and Kelly? He goes, sure. And we, we, Kelly and I grab our cell phones, and I want to talk in just a moment about making sure you always record every personal prophecy. We recorded, we got our cell phones out. And, uh, you know, today the good thing about your cell phones is that you just hit your camera and hit video. So not only are you capturing audio, you're capturing the video as well. Okay. So we, we just hit 
uh, we hit record, okay? And I said, all right, Bishop, we're ready. And he, and he just launches right into it. I didn't ask him to pray. I didn't say, have you done a 40-day fast? Are you, are you sure you're ready to go? He's, he's always ready, okay? <laughs> and I believe you're going to find yourself always ready too because the man, the, the man will just pop up sometimes out of the blue. And uh, uh, the Holy Spirit, he's always ready. So uh, Bishop Hammond just launched right into it. And he said, uh, he said, okay. He said, I hear the Lord saying, you have finished phase two of your ministry. And he just goes right into this incredible prophecy and starts repeating in some ways, in some areas, word for word, what Jesus told me personally, one-on-one in a personal visitation. <laughs> there is nobody on this planet that can ever convince me to downplay the role of prophecy. It is so important in confirming calling, confirming purpose, confirming your timing. Oh, it is, it'll just, uh, it'll put rocket fuel in your spiritual uh, tanks. Glory to God and boom, Holy Spirit will ignite it and up you go. <laughs> praise God. So th this thing is a very real blessing. Praise God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, one of the things also, by the way, that Bishop Hammond said, remember, this is 2017. He says, I see you going from Hebron to Jerusalem. You're going to establish your own ministry headquarters. In other words, you already have one in Hebron, but you're going to go to Jerusalem. He said, I see land and plans. Well, what just happened a few months ago? Well, we finally got it. Praise God. So he's also confirming, again, what the Lord had told me in a previous visitation over 10 years ago. Don't build a TV studio on your current facility. Wait, wait until you get the land. Well, we've got it and we have the land. We are developing the plans. Hallelujah. And God is moving us forward in our assignment. Many of you are, of course, are connected with this commission and God is moving you forward as, as well. You're, you're writing on the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so my friends, we need to give careful heed to prophecy. Praise the Lord. Now, let me share a few things that, that are good to know about the flow of prophecy and uh, how God works in this area. Let me, let me say, first of all, a big one that many believers uh, seem to want to hide and act like they don't know it, it's true, but it's, it is major. It is a major truth, which is this. All personal prophecy is conditional. Somebody, you almost want to pull your hair out when I say that, and I'm going to say it again because you're going to have to take your responsibility. I'm going to say it again. All personal prophecy is conditional. Biblical prophecies, uh, there are biblical prophecies, of course, that are <clears throat> unconditional. In other words, they're going to happen regardless of whether we pray for it or whether we don't pray for it whether we agree about it or don't agree about it, it doesn't matter. It's going to happen anyhow. They're, they're non-conditional prophecies, such as the eventual appearing of the Antichrist. Oh, Pastor Stephen, I don't, want, I don't want that guy to show up. He's going to be a real deceiver, and he's going to cause real problems in Israel. He's going to deceive Israel. He's going to, he could deceive the whole world. Well, he's coming. Whether we want him to or not, he's going to eventually show up because the Bible says he will. Other prophecies yet fulfilled. Christ's millennial reign of 1,000 years on the earth. Well, Pastor Stephen, there's probably some that don't agree with that and might try to resist that. It doesn't matter. It's going to happen anyhow. 
Well, you don't need to pray about it. You don't need to fast. It's, go- it's just going to happen anyhow. Praise God. But personal prophecies are conditional. In other words, there's conditions that we need to adhere to in order for the prophecy to be fulfilled. We see this very clearly in the classic example of Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 1. Now what shall come to pass if? You may want to take a highlighter and a pen. Underline the word if. That denotes there are conditions involved. Now what shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord, excuse me, of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. So is, there's the word if and there is the word observe. If means if we do it and, is, and, and the observation means that we are obedient to what God requires us to do. So let's go over now to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 18. And concerning your prophecies, you're going to want to get them in a printable form where they can be printed out and you can keep them before you. Now, we're going to loop back in just a moment to making sure that we meet these conditions so that these prophecies do come to pass. Now, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you that by them you may wage the good warfare, that by these prophecies you can wage the good warfare. So prophecy is a weapon that you can, to, that you can use to engage the warfare that pops up when the enemy tries to block God's best for your life. And prophecy is a weapon, and you can fight with the gift of prophecy. You can fight with the prophecy that you have received by number one, number one, decreeing the prophecy. And don't just say it, say it out loud. Praise God. Say it out loud. Pray over your prophecy and meditate on it. Now, I have a prophecy right here on this little piece of paper that I tore off of a notepad in 2009, uh, there at the Crown Plaza Jerusalem Hotel. And uh, let me see if I can show you this right here. Little, uh, you know how sometimes people do a uh, screen, screen pause? <laughs> I don't want to put this up because there, uh, there are some things on here that some of it was personal. Some of it was things I can share. But anyhow, here's the, here's the note that says Crown Plaza Hotel. So I just tore it off. And what had happened is I had just come out of a meeting where one of the world's leading prophets at that time was ministering in this conference. Now, I was in the conference. I was one of the speakers, but my sessions had finished. So I'm sitting on the front row relaxing because this is the last session of the whole conference, and the prophet is up there ministering. Now, sitting next to me on the front row, on my left was my wife, Kelly. On my right was my friend, Neville Johnson, apostle from Australia. And we're, we're all sitting there, and while this prophet is ministering, unusual things were happening all over the, uh, the audience. As God, God was doing some very unusual miracles even while he was preaching. And uh, I, uh, I kind of leaned over and told uh, Apostle Neville, I said, hey, this is, this is something that's happening to me 
right now in this service. He said, yes, this is what's happening to me. And so he and I were both having very unusual God encounters there in the service while he's preaching. Uh, so unusual and unique, you couldn't, if you tried to like maybe create the idea on the thought, you, you couldn't do it. It was too, it was too uh, crazy. It was too good. So he told me what was happening to him. I told him what was happening to me and this man's preaching. Well, when he finished preaching, he said, I would like the ushers to begin to bring the people forward, line everybody up in a row. And he said, I'm going to go down the line. I'm going to minister to people laying hands on them. And so there was, uh, you know, the, the ushers were, were all excited. So they start getting the people. There's maybe like 800 people there. And they're getting everybody lined up. And uh, one of the ushers was so excited and so so worked up, he, he grabbed us speakers and pulled us into the line. Well, protocol is that normally you don't do that. We're, we're the speakers, so we want to see the people get ministered to. Uh, we can minister to each other and, you know, in a side room or something like that. But anyhow, he was all excited. He's just grabbing everybody. And he grabbed us and pulled us into the line. <laughs> so we're just standing in the line and having a good time. Here comes the prophet. He's coming down the line, and he's ministering to people under a tremendous anointing, tremendous anointing. I, I, I later... Uh, talked with a pastor friend of mine, and he said, man, he said, that was an incredible anointing. I said, I know. I said, that was like watching. If, if you were to describe it in a natural realm, it would be like watching an Olympic gold medalist at the very height of their athleticism doing what you can only do in that unique moment. But, uh, you know, in the anointing of the Spirit, you, you don't have to, you know, it's not revolving around fitness. It's revolving around the, uh, around God. So it's not like a rare thing that can never happen again. So, but it was a tremendous anointing. And he gets, he gets to Neville first, and he says to Neville, and he calls out out loud the secret thing that Neville had just told me was taking place with him in the meeting. There's no way anybody could know that because it only happened right then, and he calls it out. And so we're all like, man, he is dialed in. And then he got to me, he got to me and he called out, out loud, what was going on with me in the service. And I'll just give you an example. What was going on with me in the service was that somebody was pouring oil on the top of my head and oil was going all over, all over my head, all over my face. I could hardly, I was about to, uh, cause I, you know, I was like about to go crazy cause I knew somebody was pouring oil on my head. But if I turn around Remember, I'm sitting on the front row, so I've got to be a little low profile. But in the service, when I kind of looked over, there was nobody behind me, but yet somebody's pouring oil on my head. Well, when this prophet gets to me in the line, he said, the entire service, oil has been, being, has been poured over your head. And he even told me, who's doing the pouring? How about that? And then, having said that, then he goes into some things. He said, he said, this year, you're going to go to new nations. And I did. Kelly and I went to five new nations that year. He said some other things. Those other things also said to come, they came to pass. And then he said, and you will have a great ministry. And I wrote it down. And I wrote everything down, he said, on this piece of paper. And I look at it every day. And you know what I say? I waged the, the good warfare. I waged the good fight of faith with the prophecy spoken on me, over me. And I say, I will have a great ministry. Well, now, Pastor Stephen, you, you just need to be humble, have a little chicken coop ministry, go minister to the chickens. No, I'm not ministering to the chickens. The Lord has told me that I will have a great ministry, and my ministry will not be contained in a little bitty, uh, a little bitty room. 
Hallelujah. We will preach the gospel around the world. And I have believed that God has spoken it to me. God has confirmed it to me by his very best. And that's, that's the news report I'm running with. Hallelujah. And I speak to you today and I say that you're destined for greatness. You're not destined to uh, be like a little chicken, just trying to jump two feet off the ground and say, I flew. No, you have eagle qualities in you and you need to soar and rise to the fullness of your prophetic destiny as well. Praise God. Thank God for prophets. Amen. <laughs> oh, the, oh, the Lord is good. So yes, I wage war with prophecy and I, that's why I've got it. It's all written out. I look at that and I say, yes, I have a great ministry. I bring it into the now. See, he said, you will have a great ministry. And I say today, I have a great ministry and God is increasing it more and more by his grace. When you speak the prophetic word, your thoughts literally change the way you view yourself, certain limitations, all of that begins to change. Your actions change and you become strong in battle because of the warfare you're doing with the prophecy spoken over your life. There's a lady that lives uh, here in the community and some years back, she was in one of my conferences and the anointing to prophesy was real strong on, on me. And I spoke to her and when I, when I spoke to her prophetically, it's like fire came out of me and hit her uh, in a good way. It just whoo, hit her. And she told me later, she said later, when I saw her about six months later, she told me it electrified her. And I told her, I said, thus says the Lord, you shall write a book. And whoo, it's just activation, activation. It's like, it's like uh, strength got poured into her through the prophecy. She told me that that's what it did to her. And I said various things. She went on to write a book. Dramatically, her whole image changed. From that moment, she began to dress different. She, instead of looking like, you know, like a, a person that's just working out in the garden all day, she started changing the way that she dresses. She had a retaining wall built around her house. If you were to drive by her house now, it used to look all dark and it looked, it looked kind of, uh, I don't know, didn't, didn't look kind of spooky. You drive by it now, you think this, the house she has now, you think that looks like something that came out of the Shire. Uh, of the Hobbit movie or something like I, it is so picture perfect uh, with a stream with a bridge going on she had all this stuff built and she just came alive <laughs> she's like a totally totally different person and she said that that prophecy just exploded in her that she has value she has potential and she jumped all over it praise God and it's, there's proofs there are proofs today that came out of that prophecy praise God so so uh, prophecy has the ability to release potential that God has already placed within you. Watch the difference. I, I gave a prophetic word to a person recently. I said, God, God wants you to write a book. And uh, I sent it by text uh, because the person lived uh, far away. I sent it by text. But I sent it because that God gave me that word to them. You know what they responded back? Oh, okay, I'll pray into that. I'll pray about that. And I thought, now what kind of a stupid response is that? You don't, need to you don't need to pray about that. You need to take your laptop, open it up, make sure you've got Microsoft Word document on it, open it up to a blank page, and just sit there and say, oh God, what should I write? Because I'm supposed to write something. Hallelujah. Do, do, you, do you see the difference? Well, Pastor Steve, maybe, maybe he don't know what to write. How can you be on the planet for 40 years not know how to write anything? 
Not, see, all you got to do is start with, the, with one sentence. The sentence turns into a paragraph. The paragraph turns into a page. A page turns into three pages. Three pages before you know it, you've you got a book on your hands. It doesn't have to be an encyclopedia. The, the book can be 20 pages. You can t- put, take 20 pages of type content and condense it down into a mini book. Boom, get it going. There you, there, and it's out. Praise God. My friends, these things are not, we're not sending a rocket to Mars. <laughs> we do not need to call Elon Musk and say, can you get an advisory team to help us how to do this? No, you just do it. You just sit down and do it. Praise the Lord. So that word is either received by faith and it releases activation or somebody just looks at it and says, hmm, well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Well, it's, it's, look, it's Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1. There are conditions the conditions are, what is your response? What is your response? Okay, so personal prophecies require faith to fulfill them and obedience to obtain them. The one woman, faith and obedience, boom, instantly. Others, all right, Pastor Steve, I guess, I guess I'll pray about that a little bit. Month goes by, year goes by, nothing's written. Nothing's written. You know, Anything that you're doing in life, if you've done it for years and years and years, you can write a book on it. It doesn't even have to be about ministry. It could be about what you do, because if you've been doing it for that long, you're probably kind of good at it. And if, uh, if you put a book out on it and just put it on Amazon, self-publish it, who knows what might happen? You might have 100,000 people buy it. Could be a cookbook. <laughs> oh, praise God. Mm-mm. Many times in prophecy, there can be a, a word of wisdom attached, but you have to remember, there is no such thing as a word of wisdom without an instruction. What, is, what, what does it say in the book of Proverbs? Reproofs and correction comes to him who will not follow an instruction. So there's a lot of people, they have, they have lack, they have insufficiency. Why? What's, what's going on? Somewhere in their life, there's a, there's a failure somewhere to follow an instruction. Mm-mm. So, my friends, we want to be sensitive to these types of things. Should we pray? Sure. Why not? Lord, let's get the right direction. But let's also realize when the Lord's speaking, this is, these are things that we should weigh in. We should just not sit on it, but we should move towards it. Praise God. Mm-mm. Now, let's talk about some guidelines concerning prophecy. Number one, record all personal prophecy uh, in a a way where you can uh, capture it and then print it out. And that is the blessing of the modern day cell phone. You can record the audio, you can get it on video, and then you're able to print it out. Uh, There's two reasons that we want to record every prophecy. Number one, it's for the benefit of the person receiving the prophecy. So often, as I'm sure many of you have found out, the blessing is in the details. When you get a, when you get a prophetic word, there'll be certain parts. You're like, wow, that's, that's it. That's it. But then later when, you know, let's say a few months go by, let's say a year goes by and you're looking at that prophecy. You're like, Oh, I didn't notice. I didn't notice that she prophesied that. That's fascinating. Ah, and that, that could even mean more to you later down the line. So that's the value of having it recorded. Number two, the number two reason is for the protection of the prophet. 
people, uh, uh, certain people, sometimes just have a way of misinterpreting or twisting what you say. And they'll, they can even say, he or she's prophesied this, and, uh, and you didn't. Uh, but yet they'll say you did. So when you have a recording, you could just play it back and you can say, well, th this, this is either true or it's not. One time I administered at a church and with the pastor standing close by me, I prophesied over various people. Uh, when I came back to the church, uh, maybe it was maybe like six or eight months later, he asked me to come back and minister again. Uh, afterwards, he asked me to come into the back, and something kind of seemed kind of weird. Uh, and so we go back there, and I walk into uh, uh, a room where there's a lady sitting there that looked very disgruntled, very unhappy, and uh, some, uh, you know, like, a, like an el some elders and so forth. So I go in. I say, well, so well, what's going on? He said, well... He said, Brother Stephen, last time you were here, uh, this, this woman here, a member of our church, uh, she received a prophecy, and she said that you spoke this about her life, that she's going to get married and th these certain things. I said, oh, no. I said, I never said that. He said, well, she said that you did, and she's upset about it because it hasn't happened and so forth, and uh, we need to talk about this. I said, well, there's not really anything to talk about. I, I never... I never said those things. Well, now, Pastor Stephen, she says you did, and she's upset, and this, this went on a little bit, you know, as I am in, endeavoring to, uh, you know, explain what happened, because nothing happened. And then guess what he does? He goes, well, you know, we do have it on tape. Why don't we bring the tape out and listen to the recording? I said, well, wouldn't that be a great idea? And then we can just find out exactly what happened because I, you know, but see, he never said that it had been recorded, but thank God that he had. So he brings it out and plays it back. And there's, there's me prophesying. And I never said anything. I never said a single thing about her getting married or anything along that line. And the pastor just said, well, he looked at her and said, well, looks like brother Stevens, right? He didn't. And, uh, and you could just see the look. She was still irritated. She was still irritated. And you know what the weird thing was? Is that uh, that lady in the church was like a spiritual daughter to the pastor. And the pastor, although he realized she's wrong and I haven't done anything wrong, he still kind of like sided with her. And they had like a, some kind of animosity like, like against me. I, I, I couldn't explain it, but uh, it was just weird. And... Um, so, but anyhow, you know, I'm in the clear. So uh, it was about, it was about two weeks later and I actually had a visitation from the Lord and he came to me one-on-one -on -one, uh, late at night in a vision. And he talked to me about that whole situation. And he said, I was blameless in the whole thing. But the Lord, as he spoke to me, said, I want to tell you why she's not married. And wow, you wouldn't believe the way the Lord talked about this. He was upset. He was upset because he said, she says she has faith. He actually told me this. Oh, Pastor Stephen, did you go back and tell her? No, I, I didn't go back and tell her what the Lord said. It was for me, not for them. I didn't go back and tell the pastor I had a visitation. His visitation was for me, not for them. His visitation was to bring peace in my heart because they're disgruntled anyhow. And not even the Lord can help them with that unless they repent. So, he, said, he, he actually said to me, she says that she has faith to get married, but yet if she has faith to get married, why does she dress like a woman 
how did he say it? He said, why does she dress like a nun who wants to belong to a convent? I mean, he, 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 he exposed her fallacy like you wouldn't believe. He said, she says she wants to get married and she has faith to get married, but how come she doesn't wear any nice perfume? I mean, and the Lord, this is the Lord standing in front of me in a vision. I'm seeing him just as clearly as I would see any person physically. And he's telling me these things that she has no faith. It's all empty talk because faith without works is dead. It's shocking how many Christians live in this make-believe world thinking something's going to happen when they have no real faith. And you know what? A lot of it is the fault of that pastor who does not know how to teach faith, doesn't know what faith is, doesn't know what the principles of faith are. So he's frustrated. He doesn't, he doesn't know how to solve dilemmas like this. And so now she's frustrated because she can't get her needs net because she doesn't know how. <laughs> so they were taking it out on me. So the Lord came to me and said, you're blameless. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Oh, Pastor Stephen, Jesus doesn't talk like that. He's too sweet. He rebuked the disciples after his resurrection. He rebuked them for their unbelief, and they're all in the room hiding. Oh, Pastor Stephen, Jesus would have taken it easy. He would have understood their dilemma. He didn't. He got, he got on to them. He said, I told you I was going to rise from the dead after three days, and it said he rebuked them for their unbelief. This was after the resurrection. Wow. There's a part of Jesus. He takes his word so serious. You, uh, you have no idea how serious he takes his word. So when a prophet or a true prophecy is coming forth, you know, uh, hey, the Lord's, he, he's watching what you're going to do with that true word. Is there fake out there? Of course there is. Are there, are there, is there silliness out there? Oh, absolutely. But look, there's the real thing. And we have to be able to pick up on the real thing, receive the real thing, and also deliver the real thing. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So we want to make sure things are recorded. And I would also say that, that young believers don't really understand this, but uh, in churches where you have the prophetic operating, they have, they have very strict guidelines, and you have to have them because of all the flaky stuff. And uh, so there's a rule of thumb. I totally agree with it. It's called no parking lot prophecies, because what will happen is that the loose cannons that are under no accountability, no authority, uh, they'll, they'll just give these wild prophecies over anybody, anywhere, and they're, you know the prophecy never happens, so there's no accountability. But yeah, it's like they hijack Christians in the parking lot of churches. You know, <laughs> that's their moment to shine. So they have no platform. So they have to go to another man's church or another man or woman's meeting and use their meeting or their platform as a place to access believers to do all their goofy stuff. So no parking lot prophecies. Always do things in the proper chain of command. And really good churches, and I've been in them, that are really developed and they've got their ushers trained and their deacons trained. If they see uh, these type of prophecies going on or you're trying to give somebody a prophecy over in the corner, they'll walk up to you and they'll tell you, don't do that. And of course, those that are young in the Lord usually respond by saying, oh, well, I'm just trying to flow in the gift of the Spirit. They're like, that, that's fine. We have, we have uh, places for that. We have times for that. But you can't do it over here in the corner with no elders around. And uh, you, we don't do things like that here. So you have to understand that that's one of the reasons why many pastors are very leery 
about not just prophecy, but any of the spiritual gifts flowing because they have seen so much of the goofy that, would, that tries to hijack and tries to take over. So one of the best ways, particularly for pastors to deal with that, is that you want to establish a prophetic team within your church of trusted, trained individuals that are mentored by uh, either an elder or an associate pastor or an in-house prophet uh, and, and remember, if it's an elder or an associate pastor, they need to be able to prophesy. You can't have somebody that doesn't even flow in this trying to teach or oversee something they don't understand. But you need an elder or an associate pastor who, who, who's uh, mature and skilled in these areas or a prophet in-house who, who can mentor and train up the young ones because they're going to make mistakes at times to get it right. But also, uh, they're, they're going to need exercise. And so they can, they can exercise in these controlled environments so that if it starts getting a little uh, goofy, the, the, senior, the senior prophet or the senior spiritual leader can bring it back on track. Hallelujah. You know, you know young Christians, they'll start prophesying their feelings. Thus says the Lord, I'm not happy with you. <laughs> well, no, you're not happy with that person. So you need to shut all that off. <laughs> It, when you when you prophesy, you have to be totally impartial. You have to be in the spirit, not in the flesh, of course, but also not in the intellect. You have to be totally in the spirit, and you just yield to the Holy Spirit, and you go, and you speak what he says. So all of these things are things that you learn. And, uh, you know, we can't, we can't get it all into this one session today. But, you know, you begin to learn things also that you can't not prophesy beyond somebody's faith. Uh uh, for example, I cannot go up to a uh, uh, like a Baptist pastor. I've got a lot of Baptist friends in town. I cannot go up to a Baptist pastor and says, "Brother, uh, I can't say to them, Brother, God has given me a word for you." Uh, well, yes, Pastor Stephen, go ahead and give it. I can't. I can't say to them, "Brother, God showed me that in that in three weeks you're going to be talking in tongues and casting out demons, and uh, and you're going to you're going to raise the dead." I, I can't give that to them because they have that's a par total paradigm block. They don't even believe, uh, most of them, in the modern-day gifts of the Holy Spirit. That, uh, I, you, you, so you begin to learn these types of things. You learn, you learn culture, you learn the prophetic ecosystem, and you learn, you learn also uh, how would I feel if I had my own church, what I want, you know, uh, you, I know what you would want. You would want order. See, Paul said, let all things be done decently and in order. So we want to do all things, but you're going to have to have decency and order or else there's always those out there. You're always going to have a few on the edge that will try to get goofy on you. And, you know, I had one of these guys in my meetings, he would always come to my meetings and uh, uh, he would try to prophesy over everybody uh, once the meetings were over. He would just walk around and say, hey, God gave me a word for you. And he, he would do all of this. And I, so I had to come up to him and I said, I said, brother, I said, I'm glad that you like to prophesy, but I said, you're not authorized to prophesy in this house. This is not your ministry. This is our ministry. And you can't just be walking around giving people prophecies. If you want to do that, you need to go hold your own meetings. 
What's the problem, though? He can't hold his own meetings. Nobody's going to come to his meetings. He's a goofball. <laughs> so what he does is he has to go to other people's meetings and try to hijack or write off what they're doing to do his stuff. And I said, look, you're trying to prophesy over everybody, and uh, and half the stuff you're saying is just, it's just weird stuff. You're upsetting people. You need to stop it. And if you don't stop, I'm going to have to let you know that you can't you can't come to my meetings anymore. Okay, Pastor Stephen, I'll do better. I'll, I'll straighten up. And you know, the next meeting I had, he was right back to the same thing, going old people, oh, God shows me this about you, God shows me that. And so I went to him one final time and I said, look, you have completely misconstrued what the ministry office of the prophet is. You think it's just somebody that goes around giving words to people all the time. I said, a prophet is first and foremost a preacher and teacher of the word of God. And you're not doing any preaching anywhere. You don't do any teaching anywhere. Just going around giving all these prophecies. I said, you can't come to my meetings anymore. I, I, I said, look, I like you. You're a really nice guy. But I said, this is crazy stuff that you're doing. I said, no ministry or any church is going to tolerate or accept you doing all of this stuff. If you want to do all this, you need to go start uh, your own ministry and you need to do your own meetings. Well, I'm called of God. Well, I don't doubt that you are, you know, but, you know, so I tried to share it with him today. Still, you know, nothing going on. Nothing ever will because you have to have a ministry that's built on ministering the gospel. The, all this other stuff is icing on the cake. Now, it's really good icing. That's for sure. But you have to have structure and order in all of these things because um, the prophetic is very real. It's very real. But if you don't reel it in, uh, it can get really weird really quick. Praise God. But don't be afraid of it because the genuine is phenomenal <laughs> and it's worth, <laughs> it's worth uh, the extra effort to uh, work with it. In the churches that I've been associated with in the past, uh, every church had a prophetic team so that if you wanted a prophecy, you could go up to the leadership of the church and say, you know, I've never had a prophecy ever in my life. I'd love to get a prophecy. They'd say, well, there's the team right over there. They're, they're meeting right now. They're standing over there, ready to minister. They're ready to roll. And you know, the prophetic team can be made up. Uh, it doesn't matter how old you are or young you are. If you can prophesy or if you want to learn and you feel a call in that area, get trained and equipped, praise God. And then you can do that in a safe haven, safe environment. And we always want to keep things out in the open. Any word that God has given to me that I share with the people where I say, this is what the Holy Spirit said to me or told me, I always put it in writing every single time. Why? First of all, because I'm not embarrassed of anything that God told me. And if I really believe it, then I want to validate it and record it. If somebody says, oh, I don't want this on tape. I want to prophesy, but I don't want this on tape. Something's wrong something's wrong. You need to be able to step up and, and, and speak. And, uh, you know, if you're not sure you're hearing from God, yeah, you shouldn't say anything. Uh, so you want to be solid in these things, praise God, and bring validity by putting things in a recorded format, praise God. Now let's close with this. I want you to understand that, uh, the way that God speaks concerning timing is often different from the way that we understand it to be. This is almost like a little bit comical. Uh, you, you do understand that like a, a thousand years of our time with the Lord is, is like a day for him. Uh, what we consider a long time to a God that has no beginning uh, and no end, the Almighty, all ex the, the eternal existing one, 
that when God speaks the word now or the word suddenly, you have to understand what that means to him because we think, oh, that's within the next three minutes. <laughs> so you begin to learn after a little while God's prophetic uh, terminology of time. Let me just give you one great example. This is found in 1 Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15. Praise the Lord. You know, we could talk. We could talk about these things, uh, the subject of prophecy for a long time, but I'm just trying to share some meat and potatoes with you uh, in this more of an advanced type teaching class today. Okay, so we're in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse, verse 20. Uh, let's go to verse 27. And as Samuel turned around to go away, Saul seized the edge of his robe and it tore. So Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today. Wow. And has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Well, I guess it's over with. Saul, well, you gave it a good try. You might as well wrap it up. And Saul is over with, man. You get a new guy coming, coming on the scene. You might as well leave. Did you know that when the Lord said this through his prophet, that the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today? Did you know that Saul was still around for 24 more years as the king? You have to understand these things when you read in the scripture, for example, um, uh, uh, in the book of Acts, uh, Herod, uh, he gave this speech and he was wearing these uh, shiny clothes and the sun's reflecting off of his clothes and the crowd said, oh, the voice of a God, oh, what a speech. And it says he was struck immediately by an angel, and he died uh, by, eat, by being eaten by worms. Well, if you read that in the book of Acts, you think, well, the guy just got struck by the angel, and he fell down dead, and worms started, started crawling out of his body. But actually, he lived on for another three years. E even Josephus talks about when he actually did die, and when he died, he was in utter agony because he's being eaten up with worms. So <laughs> you have to understand God's sense of timing, the way he says things, and what timing means to him from his perspective. Now, I want to share something that Bishop Bill Hammond uh, recognized and noted in one of his books about God's terminology concerning the way he speaks in the usage of time. I want you to understand this. Now, uh, Bishop Hammond says that when God uses the word immediately, like in a prophecy, if you get a prophetic word and it means immediately, that usually means from one day. It could happen from any, any time in between one day, the three years. Well, Pastor Stephen, I thought the prophecy said, this shall immediately come to pass. Yes, in God's eyes, immediately usually means anywhere from, uh, you know, perhaps today, tomorrow, could go one year, two years, maybe even three years out. That's what immediate means. Next. The phrase, very soon. Very soon, I would put that one in a category, Bishop Hammond does, of anywhere going up to 10 years. This shall happen very soon. Okay, so I got the word, you shall have land and plans. And I thought, oh yeah, that, that's it. Mm, yeah, because the Lord told me, and Bishop Hammond reiterates, you're going from Hebron to Jerusalem. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, so five years later, I finally get the land. Okay, so there, there's the sense in the prophecy it can be so powerful that, oh, this is, this is going to happen this week. So the phrase very soon can mean from one to ten years. The phrase now or this day, 
this day, that can mean uh, from one to 40 years. And the phrase, I will, sometimes in the prophecy, you know, the Lord speaking through the person saying, I will. The phrase, I will, without a definite time designation, means God will act sometime in the person's life if he's obedient. So sometime, yes, God will. <laughs> in the interim, stay obedient and keep walking by faith. And the term used in prophecy, soon, S-O-O-N, soon, was the term, same term Jesus used to describe the time of his soon return, and that has been almost 2,000 years ago. And remember, he said, I come quickly. Okay, so what does, when the Lord says, I come quickly, well, that's been 2,000 years now. <laughs> so you have to keep this in mind. Now, he knows that we are, uh, uh, as humans, we have, hey, we're only going to be on the planet for so long. So God is going to get accomplished for you everything that needs to be accomplished in your lifetime. But just, you know, work with the Lord in these areas of terminology, words of now, and it shall come to pass. Suddenly you shall see it. <laughs> well, yes, it'll happen within 24 hours. And, you know, then, and then three years it finally happens. Well, in God's eyes, that was a suddenly praise the Lord. So be aware of these types of things because uh, prophecy is designed to build faith. And uh, faith is sticking with it and holding to God's word, not just overnight, but just saying, I, it's, I call it done, and then just walking that out. Now, there can be rare prophecies, and you see that in scriptures at time where a prophet would say, by this time tomorrow, by the time the sun be hot, God shall deliver you. And you're thinking, okay, well, now we can time this one, because he said this time tomorrow. Uh, uh, by the time the sun's hot. Okay, so by 10 o'clock in the morning, we should be seeing God show up. Because if UPS can show up by this time tomorrow, God, God's way faster than them. And of course, in that, if you get that word and God speaking that, oh, absolutely, it's going to happen. So you can watch those. <laughs> but you only ever want to prophesy dates if God gives a date. If not, don't touch, don't touch the area of dates because... Um, don't go into that. Uh, certain things like that. You have to be very, very careful that you hear from the Lord in that area or don't say anything. You know, there was a prophet some years back that uh, uh, he had a really good ministry for a long time. And then right at the end, he started, when he got real old, he started saying, the Lord told me in a visitation that I shall not die until the the second coming takes place. Well, I'm going to be I, I'm going to, I'm going to be around. Basically, I'm not, I'm not going to. Not, he's basically saying, I'm not going to die. I'm going to be taken off the earth alive. So I'm going to be. He said the Lord told me that. Well, he kept getting older and older. And some people said, Hmm. Well, he said he's not going to die. The Lord's going to come back before he dies. And guess what happened? You probably already know. He died. <laughs> and then he had a lot of people that were. Um, uh, close to him that were disappointed and, and some that didn't know the word very well were a little bit disillusioned. But let me tell you something that happened behind the scenes. Before he did die, as he kept getting older and older, a minister friend went to him and said, hey, um, you said that you had a vision and the Lord said that you're, you're going to be alive when he comes back. Yep, that's true. And he said, did you write that vision down? He said, yeah, I did. I wrote it all down on a piece of paper over there. He said, I want to read it. He said, okay. And so this minister said, I read word for word 
this prop, this vision, this visionary experience this man had, I read word for word the whole thing. And he said, when I was done reading it, I, he said, I looked at him and I said, this doesn't say you're going to be alive when the Lord comes back. Well, that's what it seemed like to me. He said, but it does not say that. You've told all the people that that's what God said. He goes, well, that's my take on it. He said, that's not what God said. And he died. So watch out. That's got, has tripped up a lot of people before. <laughs> Brother, this time tomorrow, my three, God will deliver you. Okay, you can't say that unless God told you that. Okay, so there is, there is the pure. Now remember, we're told in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I think it's verse 19, Paul told the church in Thessalonica, do not despise prophesyings. Well, why? Well, church historians tell us that there was a lot of free-willing prophecy to the point where a lot of the people in the church were kind of like, all right, another prophecy. They got turned off by it because it was getting, getting half-baked, not done the right way, or people just now being real loosey-goosey with it. So Paul said, no, 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 don't despise prophesying. There's the real thing. Let's hold to the real, thin out all this other stuff, and stick with the real, and celebrate Jesus and the gifts of his spirit. Amen. Let me pray for you right now. Father, I pray for those that are watching. There are many that greatly esteem and value the prophetic gift. And I pray, Father God, that the, the spirit of prophecy come upon them today in a special way, even right now. They'd be touched with a prophetic anointing and that they would know something right now, a prophecy about someone. They would know something right now that would, that will strengthen, that will encourage or comfort somebody. And by the time this, that, that we conclude this service today, they can go right to the phone and call and bless that person or email that person what you're showing them about their life right now. Now, Father, we thank you that the prophetic anointing is flowing now. Let the spirit of prophecy touch, touch your people and be activated in their life from henceforth in the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Mm, mm, mm. Praise God. Praise God. If you're watching today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, jump in, jump in, get your life right with God. Pray this prayer right now. Don't wait another moment. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, but I want to be saved. Jesus, Forgive me of my sins. Wash me with your precious blood and write my name in your book of life. I receive you now as my Lord and Savior. Jesus, thank you for saving me. In your name I pray, amen and amen. Praise God. Those of you that just prayed that prayer for the first time, email me at contact at stephenbrooks.org and say, Pastor Stephen, I just prayed the salvation prayer. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't be afraid to document your miracle, your salvation, your prophecy. I want to hear from you. Praise God. Now, as a church family, let's take Holy Communion together. And even if this is not your online church, but you're a believer in Christ, you can certainly take communion with us as well. Grab some unleavened bread. Hallelujah. And some grape juice. Oh, the bread just, the unleavened bread reminds me of Passover because Passover, uh, dealing with unleavened bread, the removal of sin. Oh, I, I just want to say thank you so much for the Passover offerings that are coming in. So special what you're doing to help us to preach the gospel through the Pure Gold TV program. Thank you for standing with us and helping us in that kingdom venture. 
Praise the Lord. Now let's pray. Father, thank you for the bread and the juice. We pray over it. We bless it. We sanctify it as being holy. And we thank you that this is the body, the flesh, and the blood of Jesus, our Savior. And Father, as we receive the Lord's flesh now, we just thank you for the anointing to prophesy. I thank you there will be many of your people, Father, going about their daily business, maybe some sitting on a train, and they'll have somebody sitting next to them, and they'll just have a word, a, pro a prophecy for that person. Now, Father, we just thank you that we exercise the gifts of your Spirit. We thank you for the body of the Lord Jesus. Oh, God, we give you praise. We thank you for Jesus, our Passover lamb, slain for us. Now, Father, we just bless you. Thank you in Jesus' great name. Amen. Let's receive the Lord's body. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I see you as a receiver of prophecies, and I see you as a giver of prophecies. With a word in your mouth from the Lord to lift somebody up. I tell you, it's tough times out there for many people. There are many that don't know the Lord, and uh, they desperately need, they need to know that God is real. They know God's real. But those words of prophecy just reaffirm the faith of the believer, not only in their walk with God, their, their relationship with God, but in their calling. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Father God. We thank you, Father, that prophecy is not a substitute for us praying or seeking you to find your plan for our lives, but it sure can guide in a sense of confirming, and it sure can support and sometimes can even be a break-ahead word that breaks us into a realm that we weren't aware of because of certain barriers the enemy was imposing. So we thank you for breakthroughs. We thank you for uh, Passover miracles. And we thank you for the blood of Jesus, cleansing from all sin, all unrighteousness, washed away with the blood and a clean conscience. Father, we give you praise. We thank you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us receive now the blood of the Lord. Praise God. Praise the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Glory to the Lord. See, there's nine gifts because there's different types or different times when a different gift needs to be manifested. And it's what the Holy Spirit wants to manifest at that time. But I tell you, the gift of prophecy is so often plugged in and utilized by the Holy Spirit and is so needed. I know that you're going to be ready to flow with it. So Father, bless your people. We thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Amen. Thanks for being with me today. I look forward to seeing you back Next time, God bless you. Bye-bye.